Uh, welcome to Thought Speak, a podcast usually dedicated to talking about Animorphs, the 1996 book series created by Kay Applegate. Um, today we're doing something a little different. We're not talking about a Kay Applegate created Animorphs book. We are feeling the season's greetings and uh, many Yuletides, uh, whatever those are. And um, we are going to, or we've already come up with our own Christmas themed Animorphs books which we are going to pitch to each other in a normal summary form, like we would go through a normal Animorphs book. So we both created our own separate, without each other knowing what the stories are, we both created our own separate Christmas Animorphs tales, and we're going to walk you, our dear listeners, through uh, on this exciting journey. That's right, yes. So these are these are Christmas specials, uh, we're going to call them, and uh, I don't know about yours, but mine is certainly a little bit longer than a standard Animorphs adventure, and it kind of jumps perspectives a bit, so it's more akin to a Megamorphs, which I think is pretty fitting for a holiday Christmas special, right? See, I feel like I got mine to clock in right at about the length of a normal book. Well, I guess mine could be the length of a normal book, it's just that it does jump perspectives, which I always find more interesting than staying with one character's perspective. You're able to tell a little bit more of a story. I, I stayed with one character, surprisingly. Cool. Um, and you will not be able to guess what, what character I decided to write a book for. Cassie. That's a really good guess. (laughs) Well, you said I wouldn't be able to guess, so yeah. I gave it away. Uh, sure. But, um, anyway, so how are we going to do this? How do you want to do this? You want to, who do you want to go first, basically? Well, in my mind, I, I was picturing you going first. Uh, I'd be okay with that. I, I think you've got uh, a little bit, I don't know, more of a fleshed out idea or something. I, I'm interested in hearing what you got. Okay. Uh, and, well, and since you're see. the one that, that initially pitched this idea uh, and got yeah. us here, I, I think it's only fair that you start us out. But before you do, uh, should I go ahead and thank the Patreons? Just I want you to... Thank the Patreon and real quick, just a yeah, and just for a real quick plug, um, I want to let you guys know that we uh, had a little issue with iTunes, and we lost um, basically all of our subscribers on iTunes, Um, all of our reviews and our subscribers on iTunes. So if you haven't seen a new episode go up in a while, um, you might want to see if you're still subscribed or uh, if anything's going on with your with your that or if you you want to give us a rating or review uh we've only got like two up there now where we had i mean we had almost like 30 or 40 um before so we'd really mean a lot to us if you go to itunes leave a leave a nice review or just a star rating um just to help us out and that helps spread the word of the show and we're going into a new format and everything so it's just a really big deal to us right now to have those and uh, it helps out the show a lot uh, but no, I'll let you get into the Patreon. Speaking of helping out the show, yeah, our Patreon. That's right. Uh, our Patreon is basically the reason we're able to continue doing this uh, at any sort of pace instead of the one episode every three months. Um, it really helps us out, and i got to thank all these people right now. So big thank out to uh, – big thank out. Big thank you goes out to <laughs> uh, Mr. Toasty Flatworm, uh, Mr. Peter Schull, Noah Troutman, Jeremy Baxter, Amanda Mimic, Tomb Juice – uh, are, are, are we shy? Uh, you're a $3 subscriber. Thank you. 
Grave, David C., Kevin Koslowski, Jennifer Baker, James Miola, Jason Thompson, Ben Freeman, Tony Pizak, Kelly Brown, Josh Blount, Andrew Walker, Canicula, cousin of Bunicula, Nita Labrada Gaffaro, Tim Aheen, Daniel Martinoli, Michael Blemick, and Steve Adams. Thank you all so very much for keeping us afloat all these years. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that that kind of dedication and becoming a patreon uh patron it helps us recur costs of the show we just bought new webcams because we're starting to get into live streaming uh as we take the podcast into new areas and do different things um it really helps you know keep it okay with our wives uh the patreon <laughs> uh helping out with some of those costs it so, justifies it uh, for us yeah if you want to see more episodes if you want to see different kinds of episodes or us explore do different things um, becoming a Patreon subscriber is a humongous help to the show. So thank you for that. 100%. Yes. Uh, so with that said, like we've been talking about, this is a, I want that book type episode. Uh, we've never really done one of these before. Um, I, we talk about it all the time on the podcast, but we've never dedicated it. So totally. And I, you know, I'd like to do something more like this as well. So, you know, if it's popular, if enough people get on here and watch, uh, that would be wonderful. Um, so far we've got Tony Abbott, who's just throwing out good ideas <laughs> in the chat for, for what he'd like to see from a holiday special, probably. And, uh, who knows? Maybe we'll deliver on, uh, it's just, it's just Tony Abbott things. and my wife right now. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So let's get started. I'm going to start with mine. Um, so this is my, uh, what I think an Animorphs book, uh, written by Kay Applegate, for a like Christmas theme book would look like. So uh, I don't think it's the case with your book, but I tried to be pretty authentic to the Animorph series. Oh, me too. Um, okay. <laughs> so I guess I do go to Atlantis at one point. No, my, um, mine is uh, uh, definitely more on par with some of their goofier adventures, I'd say. But okay. yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, mine is like a normal Animorphs book. Like the craziest thing in it, you know, are aliens, the, the Yurks and stuff. So... Uh, let me walk you through this. So I don't know if you went this intricate, but I came up with a book cover. I didn't like uh, Photoshop anything or anything. But uh, so mine is a Cassie book. It's from her perspective. I knew it. And uh, I'm titling it The Present. Oh, so. <laughs> I already like that. See, I didn't even have a yeah. title or a cover planned out mm -hmm. for mine. Yeah. So Animorphs The Present is my uh, Christmas themed Animorphs book. Um, so the front cover has Cassie morphing into a reindeer. Uh, I think this is the obvious main morph for the book, but I, I feel like I did a nice twist on it. So you'll see how that's coming. Um, I even did a tagline, a super cheesy, barely having to do with the plot tagline, uh, in true Animorphs form. So the tagline on the front of the book is sleigh bells ring. Are you morphing? <laughs> I would have gone with like someone's made the naughty list that's <laughs> <laughs> also also really good i feel like one was on par and so the inside once you open up the book the inside cover would be a reindeer standing in the food court of the mall surrounded by people so that's the inside cover of the book gotcha all right i'm hooked. okay so i'm gonna walk you through it i got a summary written out i'm gonna be kind of reading it a little bit because i want it to be just how i wrote it um so let's let's get started so again this is my Animorphs, a very special Christmas-themed book that I came up with. 
So, Marco and Cassie are at the mall. She asked him to help her get a gift for Jake, but he obviously just came along to, like, make fun of her and stuff. Um, he tells her to just get him a game genie so they can go home when they <laughs> notice this little kid and his mom coming out of the toy store. The kid is throwing a fit and yelling and just causing a scene uh, because he didn't get a toy or something in the toy store. And the mom just has, like, this blank look on her face. Uh, so he takes it a little far, and he actually, like, hits his mom in the face. And there's, like, no reaction whatsoever. You can tell he knows what he did, and he gets, like, really quiet. And uh, out of nowhere, she starts, like, twitching and looks like she's having, like, a seizure. And uh, before you know it, two uh, mall rent-a-cops uh, come out from the shadows and, and approach. And they grab this woman and, like, yank her out. Just pull her out of the, uh, out of the mall. So his kid's like left crying and he's you know he doesn't have his mom anymore and he's by himself and cassie wants to like go over and like help him out or like figure out what's going on but marco noticing that something's a little weird with the situation uh holds her back for a second uh suddenly uh, a woman dressed as an elf approaches the crying child and leans over and asks him do you want to see santa claus and that's our cold open boom Okay, I, I uh, yeah, there's going to be, like, multiple interruptions, I'm sure, from both of us. That's fine. That's and, fine. And I just want to say that I love how yours already starts out with the classic cliche of two of our main characters just happen to be in the right place at the right time, coincidentally, mm-hmm. to see an event. <laughs> yep. And I, I, I put Cassie and Marco together because I feel like their banter would be more original. Like, you don't see them, like, hanging out by themselves that often. But this, uh, this uh, topic of wanting to give Jake a gift... Um, which is really important to Cassie in this book, uh, is what brought them to the mall. So, cool. Anyway, so, okay, so we hard cut after we were discuss. you know, we got to have her explain what the Yurks are and the normal open. Um, but then we see the next scene is the gang hanging out at Cassie's barn. Marco's telling everyone how they found out that this year's Santa Claus is sponsored by a group called Helping Hands. It's a charity uh, that apparently started around the same time as the sharing. And through Axe's computer skills... They find out that um, it's it's been running for years in other cities, and it was started at the same time as the chair as the sharing because it's a sister Yerk infiltration organization uh, to the sharing, and it was started uh, just in case the sharing never got popular or didn't like ramp up in the way that they thought it would. So it's a backup for the sharing. It's another. It's a charity, a huge organization. Um, so they find out this Helping Hands group got started, and that obviously leads them to wonder how many other these organizations are out there. Maybe the Yorks are more widespread than we even think, you know? Uh, it could be, like, a big thing. I think Helping so, Hands is actually a real charity. Just, it <laughs> I think so. probably is. And if that's the case, this is even more genius, because if they're a real-life group. Because they're evil, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it probably is, but I just, I just can't... I thought that sounded very much like the sharing, Helping Hands. Um, anyway, so, uh, Helping Hands is, is, uh, behind the, uh, they're sponsoring the Mall Santa this year at the mall. This is, uh, we assume just from the Animorphs description that their mall is a very big and very popular mall. Uh, so it's probably one of the biggest in the area. It's the one everybody goes to. Kind of like the Mall of America up in Minnesota. Something of, uh, that kind of stature. Shut up! um so anyway so this is a they're they're putting on this uh this santa this year but they actually took an empty storefront and they turned it into this whole big like santa's workshop thing where you line up you go through and there's like a fudge booth and uh there's like elves running around it's this whole big thing you walk through santa's workshop and there's a petting zoo 
with a reindeer exhibit. So um, far, this is all uh, pretty realistic uh, stuff that you'd see in, you know, a typical yeah. mall Santa display. Exactly. So the Yurks are smart, though. They're not just they after they conferred with the Chi, uh, and this all happened before they got to the barn. Um, they found out that the Yurks aren't just grabbing everyone who goes through um, this line to see Santa. Um, they're only pulling influential people. So if they see like the mayor bring his kid or something, they would try to grab him. Um, but they've got this whole fake storefront so that they can grab people easily. And, uh, the kid goes and sees Santa and their dad goes, gets a yurk in his head and, uh, they call it a day. So it's a, it's a great operation, um, to, to get new hosts and to possibly grab. And since this is a really popular mall, maybe they'll get some big influencers from it. Well, and dare I say, uh, there's a yurk pool entrance at the mall. So again, very easy for them. Easy access. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So this is already working for them in multiple ways. So, Anyway, so being the largest mall in the area, they've already taken some high-profile hosts, according to the Chi. Uh, Marco states the obvious. We know it's we know the mall well. It's basically like our home field advantage. Like we know we've been in the mall a bit ton. Uh, we've done missions there. We got this. We go in as reindeer from the uh, petting zoo, and we just tear the place up. Like they'll have to shut down until next Christmas, and then we'll be able to come up with like a better plan to stop them next year. Because, you know, if they if they morph these reindeer in the petting zoo and then just cause the scene, uh, they wouldn't be able to, like, fix everything in time uh, for, for the rest of the year. Uh-huh. That's how close they are to Christmas. You're not taking into account, though, that this Yerk group could also set up uh, an Easter bunny display. They could, but it still <laughs> gives them time. Like, their, their thought process is, um, we if we stop them right now, they'll have to shut down until after Christmas, and then it'll be a while before they can do something else like this. So... Uh, it's basically a hit-and-run scenario as far as missions are involved for them. Um, plus, they, they really feel confident knowing the mall. Like, they can pull this off. Um, so, right now, it's just about stopping it as quickly as possible before someone really important, um, you know, takes their kid to Susanna. So, that's what they decided at the barn. Uh, the next day is the last day of school uh, before the Christmas break, and Rachel's hanging out at Cassie's locker. Cassie is still freaking out because she still hasn't gotten Jake anything, and Rachel just doesn't understand why she's making such a big deal over it. Cassie tells Rachel this juicy piece of information. Jake asked her to go steady with him a few days ago. What? So this being a this being a Christmas episode, we're going to move some major plot lines as far as I'm concerned. Um, so Jake asks uh, Cassie to go steady, and obviously Rachel makes a joke about them, their relationship being in the 1950s. Uh, you know, like, this is that kind of classic... You know, you want to be steady? You want to be my official girlfriend? You know? Um, so it's a big deal. And it took uh, Cassie by surprise. And now she feels like she has to get him, like, a really good gift now that they're, like, boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, so Rachel's making fun of her, obviously. And uh, suddenly, though, Rachel goes completely silent and her jaw drops. Tobias is walking down the hallway, but he looks different. He's like wearing clothes that fit well and he's like put gel in his hair it's like a tobias we've never seen before he's actually like tried to take care of himself a little bit and uh it makes a big difference like people along the hallway are staring and like tobias is not the kind of kid who usually attracts that kind of attention uh so he's walking he's walking up towards him um and cassie's like uh oh i know what you want for christmas uh and rachel punches her wait a minute did you say and- they're at they're at school right now they're at school. This is the last day of school before Christmas break. Oh, why is, why is Tobias Locker. at school? 
Because it's a surprise. I'm getting to it. You got. Oh, he just he just showed up. Okay. Yeah, he just showed up like super well dressed, with, like gel in his hair, and it's just a very different Tobias. And so Rachel's getting a little jealous that uh, other people are paying attention to Tobias. And uh, before he even gets to him, she runs up and just gives him a big smack on the lips, like big kiss in the middle of the hallway. Um, so he plays it cool, and he says that he wanted to like surprise her, like. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of time in Morph, so he spent most of the time like getting ready. Uh, but he just wanted to surprise her and have uh, last day of school lunch uh, together at school. So just a really sweet Tobias and Rachel moment. Um, and they walk off, and Cassie kind of wishes that her and Jake could be that like open with their relationship. Um, it's kind of what she's dealing with right now. You know, she's she her and Jake's relationship are so different. And they're so combined with the war and the animorphs and everything that she kind of wishes they could have a normal relationship sometimes totally yeah uh so anyway so after school everyone meets up at the mall food court and they go over their plan they're gonna stand in line to go to santa's workshop separately and make their way back to the petting zoo they'll acquire the morphs and get out super easy uh so jake and cassie go as a group and he's acting a little strange now uh, he buys her some like candy and fudge at the you know stand in there, and he like directly in front of everyone like holds her hand, and uh, it's almost like they're a real couple. Uh, so anyway, they get to the petting zoo, and it's empty. Uh, the sign says they're off delivering presents, you know, a little Santa's helper thing. And Jake and Cassie can't find the others because it's so crowded. Uh, but they make their way into the back hallways of the mall, and they find where they're keeping these reindeer, and it's in this. Uh, it's next to like the big trash dump. Uh, underneath where the parking garage is. And it's horrible conditions. These reindeer are, like, sick, and that's obviously why they weren't up in the petting zoo, because they're being treated horribly. And uh, they even see one of the workers, one of the Yerk workers, uh, Handler, like, a, like yelling at the animals and, like, abusing them. You know, it, uh, it wouldn't be an Animorphs book without casual animal abuse. Yep, it wouldn't. That's, that's what I bring to the table. Um... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, so you see, you see the animals uh, being treated terribly, and obviously this pulls some heartstrings for Cassie. You can't, Cassie can't see an animal being hurt and not make it uh, a big deal. Obviously, um, so they go back, they find the others, uh, they manage to acquire the morphs themselves. Where a, a harried little action scene where they're like avoiding the handlers and trying to get in, and uh, you know, acquire the uh, reindeers as morphs, and. Uh, once they're done with that, uh, they're, sorry, I'm looking at the chat and, uh, oh, <laughs> it's coming, Liz. The morphing Not is every coming. episode has morphing right away, Liz. Calm down. Uh, so anyway, so they acquire the morphs, they get the others, they tell them what's going on and uh, everybody gets a reindeer morph in this, uh, in this little scene, um, and they decide that their mission needs to have two parts to it. They got to free these reindeer somehow without grabbing Yurk's attention. And they need to obviously shut this operation down. So they don't want to wait too long, but they need a little more time to come up with a plan. So they figure out, we'll carry out the mission uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow night, before everything closes down, uh, we'll free these reindeer and we'll, um, you know, stop this operation. So... Um, since they've got a day to wait, Jake uh, pulls Cassie aside and he asks her if she'd like to come over for dinner, have a nice dinner at the at Jake's house, uh, something a boyfriend would ask a girlfriend. This is like an episode of Degrassi. 
<laughs> like every good Animorphs book, <laughs> this this is I'm just paying off on what the fans wanted. All right, for this sure, is becoming real fan fiction. Um, <laughs> anyway, so uh, Jake asked Cassie to come over for dinner that night with his family, and it's a big gesture to her. Uh, she arrives at his house, and it's the most awkward dinner of her life. Like Jake is making these weird, out of context jokes, and like not really his personality. Um, he's just being really over the top and like holding her hand and just being like not Jake and Cassie. He's a yerk. Uh, <laughs> no, he's even wearing cologne, which is very unlike Jake. Like, where did he get cologne? He steal from his dad? From Tom. From Tom. Tom probably took him aside and gave him a little speech and give him a condom. Uh, <laughs> Here, little bro. <laughs> anyway so uh anyway so so he's he's just being strange just being really weird uh i guess he can't place it he doesn't know what's going on uh and she's worried this is her big worry of this book is that now that they're official they're officially boyfriend and girlfriend uh that jake's changed he's not who she thought he'd be in a relationship he's no longer the leader Um, of the animorphs that i remember exactly it's not jake to her uh so Anyway, so in the midst of her thinking this and worrying about it and everything, uh, Tom steals the conversation. And he's talking about how the sharing is actually going to go over to the mall tonight and help out uh, this charity, this local charity, Helping Hands with their Santa workshop. And they need extra help because um, a local rock band is going to be taking pictures with Santa as this big publicity sent to the mall. And this is a rock band that's like up and coming in the charts. They're not just local anymore. They're becoming nationwide and they're known for their political statements. They're a, uh, they're a very big band and a very big deal. People listen to them. It's so... bad religion. <laughs> that's an old reference. Bad religion <laughs> is still active. Are they? Yeah. I'm, I'm glad they can still get on stage. They have a Christmas album, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, this sounds sounds like how they started as a band. That they've really uh, they've changed, man. <laughs> anyway, continue. So this this big political rock band who's super popular is going to be at the mall at the Santa's workshop, um, helping hands thing. It's a big Yerk operation. It's a big gift for the Yerks, and it's very obvious. And Tom's Tom's bragging about it to the dinner table. Um. So anyway, uh, after dinner, Cassie and Jake call the others and tell them, you know, we've got to move the mission to tonight. It's not, we can't wait till tomorrow. We've got to get in here before this rock band gets there. Um, Jake and Cassie go up to Jake's room, and you hear Jake's mom be like, keep the door open. You know, that that classic uh, mom thing. And uh, so they close the door, obviously, lock it. And you have a super awkward scene of them, like, stripping down to their morphing outfits, right? Whoa, where are you going with this? <laughs> it's just, you know, it's that, it's just that they're up in Jake's room. It's, you know, they're a couple. It's just a, you know, awkward teenage scene. Sure, it, it, and it would be really yeah. funny that, you know, that his mom is, like, thinking that they're, you know, doing sexual yeah. stuff, but really yeah, they're, yeah, like, yeah. strategizing about a war. <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 a double kind of thing on the scene. Um, anyway, so they they morph and fly out the window, and everybody's heading towards the mall. So, uh, just got two more paragraphs here, and then the book's done. So I think it's I think it roughly were about where the structure of an animorphs book would be. Holy cow! You had that initial action scene. You had you know now they're heading towards the main mission. Okay. Um, yeah. So anyway, so everybody lands on the mall roof, and Marco freaks out. They're not ready for this mission at all. 
Uh, obviously, he's down in the dumps about it. He's he's worried. He's frantically making jokes, but this is more serious, Marco, because he really thinks that this is kind of a too big of an operation for them to do with like no plan whatsoever. <laughs> so quickly, they try to come up with one. Uh, the mall is close to the edge of the forest and like the the mountains and everything, so they think uh, maybe they can just like hurry through the reindeer frame and just kind of like let them loose and hopefully they'll be okay in the woods for a few days or until they find a uh, a habitat more suited for them. So so they uh, they go ahead and uh, take their place and uh, they go down and they free the reindeer. Um, the, or the animorphs, their their plan is that they'll they'll free the reindeer, take their place in the cages, and then you know the workers, seeing that the reindeer are feeling healthy and they're not sick anymore, they'll take them up to the petting zoo and then they can initiate their plan, right? Okay. Yeah. So the first part of the plan goes off pretty much without a hitch, um, and they're feeling pretty confident. They let the reindeer go. The reindeer are heading in the general direction of the forest, and uh, everything looks like it's going great. This is awesome. Cassie's a little worried because she's like, you know, we're not helping these deer. They're obviously like really sick. Um, we don't know if they'll survive. This isn't the right habitat for them. Even she's feeling really crappy about this part of the plan. This is the part that she really cared about. Um, and it seems that they're kind of half-assing it, you know? Um, so they don't have time to do anything else. So it doesn't matter. Uh, but Cassie feels pretty bad about it as usual. Um, yeah. Nothing they can do now. So they morph reindeer, get some morphine, finally, Woo! in my morphine story. They morph reindeer, they get in the cages, and they wait. An hour goes by, nothing. No handlers come down, no one's coming to check on them. They're just locked in these cages for no reason. And they figure out that basically the Yurks, after seeing sick reindeer all day, they've given up on the petting zoo idea. That's what the conclusion they come to. Like, no one's coming down here to get these reindeer. They obviously don't care about them anymore. Uh, we got to re- redo our plan because this isn't going to work. So uh, they have Axe demorph and go up to the mall and just grab somebody and acquire them and put on their clothes. So just a normal mall patron. And uh, instead of, you know, the Yurks leading them up, they'll just have this random stranger lead them up and put them in the petting zoo. So, okay, great. So they all, you know, get out of the cages. He's leading them up the ramp or whatever to the back doors, and the back doors are locked. You can't open the back doors from the outside. So they can't go through all these back hallways to get to, um, to get to the York Petting Zoo and the, the route that they had planned. Uh, and just then, right as they're, like, frustrated and their plan's falling apart, they see a big tour bus pull up into the parking lot. The uh, rock band comes up. The rock so. band! That's the end of a chapter to leave you at suspense. Gotcha. All right. Bad religion just pulled up. Mm hmm. <laughs> so instead, so the next scene is a hard open on the front doors of the mall. An axe and human morph opens the doors, and these five reindeer. Or, yeah. Five. Right? Yeah. Four. <laughs> five. No, yeah, five. 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 <laughs> five. These five reindeer come in through the front entrance. And Axe like kind of stands out in front of them, and he's leading them. And they're walking. We're talking like crowds and crowds. This is the mall right before Christmas, so there's tons of crowds there. And these, you know, reindeer just walking through in perfect file uh, through the middle of the mall, and with Axe leading them uh, in human morph. And so people are like taking pictures. You got kids up on 
uh, their dad's shoulders, and it's like a big like Christmas event. Like people are really excited about this. Um, <laughs> like they became the Christmas event. <laughs> to yeah, draw it's people a Christmas. Mold. It's a Christmas miracle, is what it is. <laughs> um, so they get to Santa's workshop, the Yurk front, and they see the band members about to enter the line. And so they talk over thought speak. They, what do we do now? And uh, Jake, of course, says the plan. So they charge Santa's chair and they're racing after Santa's elves. They're just causing a scene. Uh, even have one part where like Marco almost gores Santa Claus himself and then apologizes to nearby children in thought speak. He's like, oh, Santa just needs to get back to the get back to the sleigh kids. Don't worry about it. And they're, you know, you have these six reindeer just flying around, not flying literally, but like <laughs> running around, tearing up everything, tearing up the fudge booth, causing a humongous scene. Pooping everywhere. Poop, poop flying everywhere. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you have, um, you have the mall uh, start to be evacuated because obviously there's wild animals about. And so people are going out the, going out the sides, going out any door they can find. And eventually it's just the animorphs and the yerk. Uh, elves and stuff who are still there who had the operation. So you start hearing murmurs of Andalite bandits and you know obviously everyone there is a Yurk and um, they're they're worried about uh, having this turning into a fight. Maybe some Horkbajir are about to jump in. But uh, unfortunately for the Yurks after a few tense moments a couple people throwing around the term Andalite bandits they notice that half the news channels in town are still there. Like, this this mall and the rock band coming, this promotional event, was marketed by the charity, and it was this big event. So, like, half the town's news channels are there. They got cameramen. They got lights, everything going on. And the Yerks, they can't do anything. Um, so, uh, someone, uh, one of the other reporters, you know, they're, they're starting to notice that uh, where the reindeer came from and the petting zoo itself is just horrible conditions, like bad conditions for animals. And they take notice of it. So... Uh, they have somebody calls the the local government like wildlife um, agency, and so the animorphs are patiently in the super tense, suspenseful moment. They have to wait for the wildlife agency, the local wildlife agency, to get there, and it's cutting their morphing time super close. You know, they they had they remorphed reindeers before they came in the mall, so that that lost hour wasn't uh, lost. But they're still running pretty tight right now on their. Uh, on their time waiting for this agency to show up. Finally, they do. There's still a bunch of news reporters there. The Yerks can do nothing. Their operation is shut down. Mission success. Um, and they get into the back of a trailer, like a big, you know, animal trailer. Um, and they're being hauled away. So that's their escape. They get out. Um, and then while they're, while they're in the back of the trailer, they morph back to human, morph bird, fly out of the trailer. Okay. That's uh, end of mission. So... A huge success, huge Christmas success of their uh, stopping this uh, humongous Yurk um, operation. So in our in our uh, outro, our last chapter, you know, to wrap things up, um, it's the next day, and Jake calls Cassie, and he tells her he got her a Christmas present and wanted to give it to her early. Uh, he sent an anonymous tip to the wildlife organization that helped rescue them. Uh, that he saw a bunch of reindeer escape the trailer and go uh, into the woods nearby where they freed the actual reindeer. Um, and so all the sick reindeer were rescued while the, by the wildlife agency, and they're going to be shipped off to a rehabilitation center, and they're going to be safe. <laughs> so Cassie is just overwhelmed. This is the Jake she always knew it was. He's not putting on a front or anything. This is, this is the Jake she loves. 
and uh, she, you know, she's crying on the phone, and she just tells him "Merry Christmas," and that's that's the book. Okay, all right. Well, that that definitely sounds like an Animorphs book. I can I can uh, clearly picture that in my mind. Um, no big Visor Three battle. No, I wanted to I wanted to go and and not have Visor Three be a part of it. Uh, that's funny. I was thinking not. the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to differentiate. Uh, mine from uh, so many Animorphs books where Visitor 3 just randomly shows up. And I, I wanted to, you know, pull in that other organization where it wasn't just the sharing. Uh, they have this new organization, kind of this new enemy um, that they'd have to face or, or do things. And obviously there'd be more details and things written if it were an actual book. But um, that's the structure. And I think, it's, I think it stays in line with a normal Animorphs book pretty well. No, it absolutely does. Um, uh I, I I think if I were to read that book, I'd probably give it a three or four out of five. So well wow. done. Wow. <laughs> High praise from Mitchell. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> um so yeah, I, I I think that's a pretty good start. Honestly, I'm uh, a little surprised at the um length, I guess. Uh I, I apologize if mine goes on for a while. <laughs> but well, yours is a megamorphs versus mine. Uh, being a normal box, so that's understandable. Sure. So it's, uh, I guess, fitting that we saved it for second. Now, uh, yeah. well, real quick, real quick, we have a few more people who joined us. Just so you know, we are, uh, we each came up with a um, a fake Animorphs book if it were set during Christmas time or Christmas themed. Uh, so I just finished with mine, which is a pretty standard Cassie book that took place at Christmas and was all about it, called The Present. And uh, now we're about to jump into Mitch's. Yeah. Uh, if you had, you said you didn't give it a title, if you had to give it a title right off the fly, what would you uh, what would you name it? Uh, well, it'd be a Megamorphs book. So uh, you know how they were called like Back to Before uh, and the Time of Dinosaurs. Um, uh, what are the other ones? <laughs> the Andalites. The Andalites. The gift. Andalites gift. Uh, yeah. So it you know it'd have a title kind of similar to that where it's like. I don't know, Silent Night, Deadly Night, or some, some, some ridiculous <laughs> like that. Uh, and and the cover would honestly have to be probably something a little bit more generic, like the In the Time of Dinosaurs cover, where it's just like a, 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 a mashup of different faces or whatever. Um, like I said, I didn't think that part through. I just I focused so much on the storyline, um, and where yours is actually like. Pretty realistic. Like, I could see, you know, that fitting right in with the Animorphs uh, chronology. It doesn't really introduce too much crazy stuff like sci-fi, hard sci-fi concepts and stuff like that. Um, Whereas mine goes way far in that direction. So, uh, without further ado, I'd I'd like to start telling you. Um, Go, I'm excited to hear it. Let's, Let's go through it. Totally. Okay, so, my story begins with the team hanging out in Cassie's barn... As usual, uh, having one last group meeting before the start of their Christmas break, and okay. um, they're all they're all really excited because uh, they have their cheese spies, you know, fe- feeding them information, and and just because uh, all the the Yerks host bodies have so much stuff going on uh, over the holiday season that they have to keep up appearances of being normal people. Like even the okay. Yerks are kind of like on Christmas break. Because they're just so wrapped up doing human stuff and keeping up appearances. So Jake and the whole team are like really excited about, oh, man, we actually get like a week off from being Animorphs now. And it's going to be great. 
Um, despite that, though, uh, Jake, Tobias, and Axe are all going to kind of be in town, like, on call, you know, just in case a Yerk plot happens to unfold. Um, you got Rachel's really excited to go visit her dad, um, who I believe is in Australia still. I'm not sure. We're not sure where he is geographically. I don't remember Cassie seeing him in the Outback. So, <laughs> so he must not be in Australia. Um, no, no. So, so you splitting the group? Is that how your story's starting? You'll see. <laughs> okay. So, okay. I'm just telling you, like, where all the characters are at, and um, they're they're all grouped up, and they're like, you know, super excited about their their holiday plans. Um, Jake just happens to be like his stuff's happening in town, so he can stick around with Axe and Tobias and monitor the situation. Uh, Rachel's leaving, going to visit her dad. Cassie's excited about volunteering at like a homeless shelter with her parents. Um, Helping hands. <laughs> she's going to going to this cool mall Santa display I hear about. Uh, and then um, Marco is like, yeah, me and my dad and his girlfriend are gonna go out of town and and visit our Jewish family members. And all all the teams like. Marco, you're Jewish? <laughs> and he's like, well, we're not practicing, but, you know, uh, my dad's starting to get into it now more and blah, blah, blah. So we're, we're going to go see what that's all about. And so maybe they give it, him. It doesn't surprise me that you found a way to bring religion into your story. <laughs> Just throwing it out there, man. Um, <laughs> so th- they've all got their separate plans and they're really excited about it. And uh, this is when Eric shows up and... Eric's like, hey, guys, like, you know, <laughs> we're still doing our thing. But um, I just I just wanted to bring one little thing to your attention. I mean, it's probably nothing, but the the Yurks do have this uh, uh, little plot I've been hearing just kind of whispers about here and there. It's something that they're really keeping on the down low. In fact, it's only just this one subvisor that's that's really working on this plot. It's like subvisor nine or something. And okay. they're like, um. So we don't know anything about what he's doing or what this plot is. All I know is that Subvisor has been traveling back and forth over the last couple of weeks to the North Pole. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) So see where this is going right off the bat. Everyone's like, oh, boy, here we go. Buckle up. (laughs) Going to use our polar bear morphs again. So. They're, they're, you know, typical team mission. They're like, all right, we better just have a little conversation about what this means. And as they're discussing it, uh, something happens that they've never seen before. Eric, like, starts beeping or something. And then he's like, I'm getting a call. And he, he, <laughs> he, projects, he projects a hologram uh, uh, call, like a, uh, like a Skype call from another Chi, okay? Okay. And, and this Chi is like in bad shape. Like we've never seen a chi damaged, like look like it's battle damaged. Sure. Yeah, but yeah, this yeah. chi is clearly like just barely hanging on. It's it's noticeably like frightened, which is like really weird for them to see a chi act that way and look that way. And you know, he's just babbling nonsense. He's like, "I'm sorry, Eric. I failed you. You know, I tried to I snuck aboard the subvisor ship and I I wanted to find out what was going on and now I'm in too deep and it's too late and we've got to stop him. We just got to stop him." And before he can, like, really get to the meat of what's going on, uh, the signal cuts out and, and it disappears. And Eric's like, oh, my God, that's not good. You know what that means? That means that that chi was destroyed. And they're like, whoa, we, what could destroy a chi? Like, 
that's pretty serious, yeah? <laughs> so uh, they're like, okay, God, I guess Christmas break is over. We've got a new, we got something we got to deal with here. And uh, uh, um, so they, they decide that essentially they got to go tackle this problem. No Christmas break for them. Um, they're super okay. disappointed because once again, they've got to rope the chi into covering for them in their personal lives. And which means, you know, at Christmas, no less. Exactly. Exactly. They're really looking forward to this. And now Rachel doesn't get to go to Australia, sending a chi in her place, you know, sending a chi down to help volunteer. They're sending a chi to Marco's Jewish family. Like <laughs> that's all going down. A chi's going to fill in for Jake as well. Um, so they're like, they're like, okay, now we've got to figure out, like, how are we going to get to the North Pole? We've done this once before. It was super difficult. Didn't work out. And uh, uh, what are we going to do? They start, you know, discussing bird morphs and travel rates and how fast they can get there and blah, 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 blah. But Eric is like, yo, this mission's personal to me now. Something up there destroyed a chi. That's my brother. Like, I got to go with you guys and figure There's- this out. There's not that many of them left. I mean, sure, that's a big deal. It should be, <laughs> but uh, you know, Eric's like, sorry to cut in and like tell you guys what to do. I know you're, I know you're really used to uh, Jake giving you the orders, but I'm gonna expedite this process a little bit, and we're gonna do things my way. So I want you all to uh, take the rest of the night to prepare yourselves. Go get some, stock up on some Arctic morphs. You know. Um, and, and meet me at the airport at midnight. All right. And, you know, Cassie's like, okay, well, obviously I'm going to recommend, uh, an Alaskan Malamute as a, as a morph. It's, it's a good sturdy, you know, dog morph. It's the typical Alaskan sled dog. Um, wait, can I interrupt you for just one second? Totally. Totally. Uh, do, since this is a Megamorphs book, do we get any chapters from Eric's perspective? We certainly could, but I hadn't planned for it. Okay. So that'd be pretty cool. Um, that's I would look forward to that totally and with him you know kind of like essentially joining the team on this mission Mm -hmm. it it would change the dynamic a little bit but yeah so Eric's like hey guys I got this covered I got travel covered meet me at the airport go stock up on some morphs and uh, leave everything to me so um, Cassie is like hey you know my parents have a friend that has this big Alaskan Malamute let's go acquire it so that's that's where they get the Malamute more from um we get a little scene of that of them playing with the dog and acquiring them and then everybody goes and meets up you know later we we cut to the airport at midnight um so when they get there they're all like taking stock of their various arctic morphs and what could be useful so they've got uh and maybe you can help me fill in this list i think i got them all they have a seal a polar bear an orca and then the malamute do they have any other arctic morphs that you can think of Oh gosh. Um Peep. I mean they they've definitely more some other things that could survive, like their dolphin could survive there probably easily. Um Yeah, I no, oh, I said I don't think any of them have gotten like a snow cat or anything. <laughs> um, no, no. I think it's just those morphs. But anyway, uh that's what they're going in with, you know, that's what they're thinking. And then Axe There's barely any morphing in my story, so I don't know why you're dealing with some Oh, I've got, there's, uh, there's a lot of morphing to get through. Okay. So, um, they're all talking about their various cold weather morphs and like platen strategy. And X just happens to mention that, um, in his spare time during the day, he was like, uh, 
you know, I'm going to research some other like cold weather morphs and get something that, that might be useful that you guys hadn't thought about. So he's like super excited because he's like, oh, guys, I got a morph that you didn't even think about. Uh, I went to the gardens and I happened to acquire the perfect cold weather morph. Check this out, guys. It's a bird that swims. No, like a penguin. Axe, you, you acquired a penguin? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I got a penguin. <laughs> they're, all, they're, all, they're all like, oh, Axe, penguins live in the South Pole, not the North Pole. He's going to be so out of place there. And, and it's not even a battle morph. A penguin's not a predatory animal. Like, it's, it, it's not going to be a helpful morph, Axe. Not, not to correct you a ton, or maybe just the animorphs are incorrect in this situation. Uh, there are some penguins that are North Pole specific. They're not North Pole, but they're like right on the barrier of the North Pole. Uh, okay. I, I would have to check the validity of that. I was under the impression that the penguins are in the South Pole. Uh, North Pole is mostly just Greenland and Canada. And uh, as far as I know, I don't think there were penguins in Greenland or Canada. And, and Mother Russia. <laughs> Russia's over there, too. But I actually did a lot of research in this because I wanted to make it kind of accurate. So I, like, looked up the, the North Pole, like, the furthest uh, or the closest town to it and, like, you know, travel times. Like, I wanted to be pretty accurate on this. So uh, the team arrives at the airport. You know, they meet up with Eric there who lays out the plan for them. Um, and Eric says, uh, uh, the plan is that he, he got them a private plane. And, uh, uh, this is apparently something that we didn't know about the Chi is that they have just access to crazy resources and money just because naturally they've been on earth so long. They've accumulated basically the amount of money that they could do whatever they need to do, you know, to survive. So mm -hmm. I'm getting a private plane, uh, flying it. Not a problem for Eric. And they're all like, whoa, like Eric is super useful to have on our team. <laughs> we should do this more. Um, and I also think, you know, it'd be cool if Eric also brought along like a big duffel bag and packed it full of like Arctic clothes for the kids to wear, you know, when they get there. And he's basically like their item holder <laughs> uh, yeah. helper, you know. Like a donkey. Yeah, like a pack mule. <laughs> oh, and just, just so you know, you were correct. Your research is legit. The most northern place that uh, penguins live are the equator. So I was I was thinking of uh, just regular like birds that live up towards there. So Gotcha. Yeah, puffins. They're different. Mm -hmm. They're different. They are. <laughs> as, as my wife just pointed out in the chat. Thanks. Thanks, honey. So uh, they're like, okay, this is the plan. We're, we're flying to the North Pole, right? And um, they all get in the plane, and Eric kind of explains to them that, like, we're not actually going to the true North Pole. Um, the nearest human settlement to the North Pole is actually about 500 miles away from North Pole. And it's the uh, small, small, teeny tiny human settlement of Alert, which sits in the uh, uh, Nunavut territory in Canada. Okay. Okay. So this is this is real. This is a real place. And it's the closest to the North Pole. The true North Pole, that is. But as Eric points out, they're not going to the true North Pole, because that's like 500 miles from there, and that'd take forever. Um, they're actually just following the, his, his destroyed Chi brethren's uh, uh, distress beacon. Um, it's, it's got like a homing thing that, you know, sure. Eric can yeah. zoom in on to go locate his body. He explains, like, you know, there used to be 
more of us, and it's it's very hard for Chi to die, but it's not impossible. They can sometimes become trapped, or other problems can happen that cause them to break down, and when this happens, they send out this distress beacon, okay? Um, so that's the plan. They're, they're going to go to this settlement, and then uh, do their Arctic morphs, and head north uh, until they locate the, the distressed Chi. Um, so... That's like the first act of of my book, by the way. So okay. So going into so so within a normal animorph structure, where are we? Um, like a third of the way through the book, I think. Okay, honestly. So like the the them getting their morphs and the penguin reveal that was like our first like kind of scene, like our first big like plot relevant scene. Sort of. I mean, it'd be the first like seven eight chapters probably. Okay. All of this. Gotcha. Um, anyway, so they, you know, like I said, they get to the town. Um, they set the plane down and, and, and head out. And they're in their Malamute morphs and they're running. And it's kind of familiar because they're sort of similar to wolves. Um, but they're, they're running for like half a day and they don't encounter anything. You know, they, they barely even run into like any wildlife. Um, but they're following this track and, tracking beacon and... They're getting really close, and then they start to find this, like, human uh, encampment, kind of. Um, You remember the movie Thor, uh, when Thor's hammer fell in the desert, and then all the the people, I don't know, were they S.H.I.E.L.D. or were they just random government people? They built that huge, like, uh, temporary structure out of, like, clear plastic tents, basically. Like a little tent city, kind of. Straight from the comics, you had a scene even with the rednecks like trying to pull it themselves and all of that, uh, you know. And then yeah, the shield comes in, it comes in and builds their little uh, Area Fifty One kind of structure. Yep. So that's kind of like what they encounter here. There's obviously all these like makeshift tents that look like they were set up super quick, and it, it just looks like there's something going on here. And they kind of go and investigate, and uh, there's like no one around. There's a lot of footprints, like human footprints, but nobody's there. And after exploring some the, John Carpenter's The Thing vibes right now. Sort of, yeah. Um, <laughs> they they explore the camp, no humans around, no yurks around. It's like very strange. So they're following the cheese beacon and it's it's leading them to the center of this encampment where the biggest uh, kind of temporary tent is set up. And it's when they enter this tent that they find just bodies of frozen hork and frozen taxons just strewn about in this room, like a big battle occurred. Ooh, I like where this is going. <laughs> and, and, and they're just like, holy crap. Uh, also inside this room is a giant uh, hatch. Think like uh, Lost, you know, like the jungle hatch, only much bigger. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um and it very clearly is like, oh, wow, this is what they were here for. Whatever this this hatch in the ground is, this is what they found. Um, so they're, they're starting to think like, OK, we got to go down here. You know, this is probably where the Yurks are. Everybody go battle morphs and we're going to descend into this deep, deep, dark, cavernous like stairwell. Think like the Yurk pool, except... Um, well, not. <laughs> it's more like a glacial 
icy, you know, cave. Uh, like Elsa okay. from Frozen had been there and dug this thing out. Sure. Uh, so they're going down this uh, this this cavern, um, going super low down. They're, they're, it's getting really cold, and they're all just like, "What are we gonna find?" You know, it's dark. It's scary. And then they start seeing. Can I assume that one of them says, "Oh man, I wish we could morph something better than these morphing outfits." Sure. Wish we could morph shoes. <laughs> uh, and and so they get they get down to the very bottom. There's like gas lamps, you know, strung up where clearly the Yurks had been down there working. Um, and this is where they they encounter a creature, <laughs> and. I'm just going to describe it for you. It's unlike any earth animal. This is a creature that is roughly a third the size of a human, so it's probably a little bit above their kneecaps. Uh, it's like this little green, almost kind of hunchbacky uh, uh, alien, for lack of a better word. And it's green-skinned, and it's got these white patches of fur all over it. And it's it's carrying... <laughs> It's carrying what looks like a candy cane. It's like a, okay. like a, a red and white striped cane, right? <laughs> There's a point to this. All right. There's a point. To okay. This. Okay. Okay. Um, oh, and they've got very oh, they've got very sharp, pointy little heads as well. So, are we looking at a little Santa's helper here? So, if you haven't got the reference yet, this is, uh, this is very strikingly similar to what one might think uh, uh, Santa's elves might look like, you know? Except just, it's just horrifying. Just horrifying. Exactly. It's definitely more creepy than anything, than Holly it's, Jolly. It's uh, like uh, David Lynch brings you Santa's elves. <laughs> sure. So, as they're sitting there, like, studying this creature that they see kind of mindlessly toiling about in the caverns, um, they are uh, caught off guard by just a group of them. There's like three or four of them, right? And then, they're obviously not friendly. Um, they actually pull their uh, uh, candy canes up and it's like a little blade in a sheath. That's oh. what it is. <laughs> so now they're in a battle with several of these elf-like aliens. Okay, um, they're not particularly strong, but they've got really weird tactics. Like they they have these blades, obviously, but then they also throw themselves. So they like launch themselves headfirst with their pointy little heads into the the animorphs. So that's just a weird okay. quirk, uh, a weird way for them to attack. Um, <laughs> Uh, but they managed it to... Of, it sounds almost like one of the alien like morphs like Visor 3 would turn into or something. Uh, kind of. This is not something Visor 3 would take because it's so small and it. I, I, they really look un, unintimidating, just more creepy than anything. Kind of like little hobgoblin-y kind of creatures, you know? And uh, they make short work of them. They're able to, to kill them pretty easily and they do kill them because there's like really nothing else they can do they feel bad about it but they're like we had no choice um so they they keep moving forward following the cheese tracking beacon and they find the room or the little cavern where the remains of the broken down chi are and eric is able to confirm like yeah he's he's totally destroyed like i'm gonna do what we chi do, you know, when we put each other to rest or whatever, and he, like, deactivates him, shuts him down. Um, so that's that little subplot um, wrapped up, kind of. Now they're just, like, 
okay, well, let's figure out what the Yurks are doing here, because this is... Wait, so the, so the chi the chi that was destroyed, it was destroyed by these elf alien things. No, so Eric also points out that, like, I don't know what attacked this chi, but it was not those things that we just fought. Okay. Those things Fair. can't do the kind of damage that this chi needed done. So, uh... Um... They still haven't found the Yurks yet. They, they continue exploring until they come across, like, the main chamber, we'll call it. And I imagine they're, you know, like, up on a ledge or something, and they're kind of spying down, and they see just a whole chamber full of these elf alien creatures. And they're all, like, scuttling about, you know, doing various things. But for the most part, they're working on another excavation dig. And they're all just just working away mindlessly digging up something and the team is still confused like where are the yurks like there's no yurk involvement these are just weird aliens um and they're about to like pull a strategic retreat and get out of okay. there when yeah. they turn around and they've been they hear like a like a like a sniffing kind of thing they turn around and now behind them is uh, my my take on what a reindeer alien would kind of be like. So it's like a uh, like a half deer, half wolf, big like hybrid kind of really alieny looking, kind creature. of mangy looking, uh, maybe. Sure, yeah, yeah, and it's got um, it's got uh, a giant rack of these red and white striped uh, spikes for antlers. So that's really really scary. Um, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and now, now they're being chased by this this killer reindeer creature, and just for added effect, uh, it's able to shoot heat beams out of its nose. <laughs> ah, like Rudolph, <laughs> more or less. And you know, Marco would be quipping like, "Oh my God, I didn't. You know, this is insane. We're being hunted down by Rudolph. He's no reindeer. He's a pain deer." Uh, and they're all like, no wonder they wouldn't let him play their reindeer games. <laughs> sure. Uh, so uh, being chased by this creature that they weren't expecting, everybody kind of gets split up down in these catacombs, right? Um, so we have Eric, Jake, and Tobias ending up together. Um, and Cassie and Rachel end up separated from the group, but together. And then X and Marco are both separated and on their own. All right. So that's the, the regrouping situation here. Okay, makes sense. Um, so Cassie and Rachel get to explore a little bit more of the cave, and they find this really old, like, settlement. It's kind of like, a, almost like a log cabin, just, like, super ancient, right? And they go inside of it, and they notice that it's empty, but it looks like it was lived in at some point. And it had to have been by something really big because everything that's inside the little home is like giant sized. Like a, there'd be like a chair, you know, and it's like one of those giant chairs that you sit in. <laughs> so they're just like confused as all hell. Like, what is this? Um, and uh, uh, what's this? What's this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, while they're while they're snooping around in this this settlement, this home, uh, another one of these you know mutant alien reindeers comes and they gotta kind of like hide from it, right? So that's their little subplot. Okay. They're trapped in this little cabin hiding from a killer reindeer. Um, 
uh, Marco uh, actually ended up back at that main antechamber where all the, the elf aliens are working. And he got to he got to escape by acquiring one of the the worker elves and morphing it right. So he's down there just kind of like trying to blend in, like with a pickaxe. Like, okay, I'm waiting for my friends to come save me now. So he's he's on the killing floor basically. Uh, okay, so right now we've got we've got both elf aliens and reindeer aliens. Both uh, are these vicious little trolls. Uh, of of you know creatures whatever they are. are are we dealing can you reveal yet are these aliens are they native to earth uh, you guys you gotta give me something well I, I kind of wanted that to be ambiguous but they're aliens for sure um, so this is an alien like colonization effort right down here okay mm, not quite <laughs> <laughs> I tell you Coleman I'm throwing you for a loop you better buckle up because like Marvel vs. Capcom 2 says, I'm going to take you for a ride. Axe happens to be the only one that actually like ran full speed, made it out of the cave. Like he's back up the stairs, back up to the, the human dig settlement, right? And uh, when he realizes that he's the only one that got out that far... He feels such shame, as as Andalites do. You know, he's like, "Oh, I abandoned my team." Uh, so he, he's like super shamed of himself, and he knows he's got to go back down there and like rescue his team because he assumes they're all in tra- danger without him. Um, so he's like, "I, I got to find something like up here in this camp that can maybe help me out a little bit, help me take the enemies by surprise." All right. So as he's like rummaging about the campsite looking for something useful he sees uh, some more humans coming in a big vehicle towards the, uh, towards the settlement. Mm-hmm. And noticing that, he starts to morph. Chapter cut. You don't know what, <laughs> you don't know what he's morphing. <laughs> uh, we go back to uh, Jake, uh, T-Bird, and Chibot, as I call them. <laughs> And uh, they're just kind of laying low right now uh, within the the uh, cavern. Maybe they morph something really small or maybe uh, Eric is they don't even need to morph. Come to think of it, because Eric is like the hologram machine, right? He can put up projections and hide them no matter what. He's like almost overpowered that way. Um, But they're watching the elf aliens excavate something from the ice, right? And then this is when they finally see the Yurks, right? So there's a lone Hork-Bajir, and he's pulling this human who's on a leash. And the human has his eyes covered, he's got his you know mouth gagged, his, his hands are shackled together, and he's being led along by this Hork-Bajir. And okay. behind them, we get our, our feature creature for this story, okay? So, it's another giant, or another alien. Giant, red-skinned, he's got patches of white fur all around him. He's got this elongated head that I imagine being like, uh, like Majin Buu from Dragon Ball Z. You know how it's got the little head tentacle thing? Like, something like that dangling off the top of his head. Like, he's very alien-looking, right? Okay. Um, And, uh, uh... So they, they, they watch him a little bit, and they're like, what the hell is this thing, you know? Uh, 
and then sure Marco is probably cracking jokes about well now we know where you know the idea for Santa came from or whatever and uh, uh, they watch as this disturbing Santa alien um, kind of births these elf things out of like this big hunchbacky gash in his back it's a queen it's a queen <laughs> so that's also where uh where they got the idea for santa having like a big sack of toys or presents or whatever it's just it's just this big back lump that spews out more like elves kind of like cybermen you know <laughs> uh so they, they witness all this they, they see him making more little elf creatures and you know putting them to work Doing, uh, doing more digging. And, uh, they see this alien go and, like, allow himself to be shackled, okay? So, the, the Hork-Bajir and the human shackle him to the wall, and they're like, what? What is, what is going on here? They see a yerk slither out of the alien's, you know, ear hole, and the Hork-Bajir takes it, puts it back in the human, Human, you know, takes off all the shacklings and stuff and is like, okay, cool. This is this is Subvisor 9, right? And this lone hork is the only one besides him that survived this encounter that they had above ground with these aliens, right? And, uh... Just looking at where I'm at in my notes. Uh, Wait, so, so, okay, so, so... So the Yurks are... There's only two Yurks left. This hork and and uh, Subvisor 9. And uh, this whole operation with the other aliens, that's completely separate from the Yorks, right? Absolutely. So this was something that Subvisor 9 happened upon, right? It was his whole big plot. And he found this this Santa creature and, and all that. Um, and so he's going to obviously try and exploit him. Now, there's something else that that they're digging and working to unearth here that's a missing piece of this puzzle. And uh, uh, with Subvisor 9 back in his human host body, the, the red alien or the Santa alien is, you know, free again. And he, he, they hear him pleading with the Yurks to stop what they're doing. They don't, they don't understand what they're messing with and they shouldn't be digging anymore. But the Subvisor's like, oh, no, you can't stop us now. Now it's going to happen. Like, um, and he, he laments that... Uh, so many of his underlings died in this process, but he's super happy that, you know, the alien can just birth more workers. Like that's convenient for him. Um, and this is where, you know, Jake and Eric who are watching out, they're like, okay, so if Santa aliens, not an ally of the Yerks, we now have to rescue him and, you know, stop the Yerks from whatever they're doing here. Um, so they're, they locate Marco and they're kind of thought speaking and he's filling them in on like what what he sees down on the floor. Um, he notices that uh, the subvisor has this like cane, candy cane, that's very similar to the ones the little elves are carrying, and uh, that's how he controls the little elves. By the way. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, so um, the elves are like definitely close to to digging something up, and the subvisor and his lone hork bajir guard. Uh, have to leave to go report back to Visitor 3, right? So, uh, when they skedaddle, Marco moves in and kind of makes contact with Santa, right? And the Santa alien's obviously like, you are not one of my children. What are you? No, I want you to do the voice. I didn't, okay. You are not one of my children. (laughs) 
is the is the Santa being played by John Rhys Davies uh, in this one or John Goodman? <laughs> John Goodman. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so the Santa alien basically tells Marco that like the enemies are trying to unearth this ancient evil that's slumbering underground. Okay, and it's Krampus. I mean, not. I don't name him as such, but mm-hmm. he describes it as uh, his brethren that came to Earth with him long ago, and they used to be, like, you know, tight. And then over time, uh, his, his brethren uh, became evil and corrupt and wanted to destroy the humans in this world that they found. And uh, the Santa aliens, the one who's keeping him trapped there and keeping him at bay, right? Um, but the Yurks have come in and screwed that whole thing up. <laughs> um, but uh, they they can't let you know the ultimate evil escape from this place. They got to they got to be stopped. And uh, 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 Marco finds that he's unable to like rescue Santa because he's shackled with these like you know Yurk locks or something, <laughs> something that they can't just you know get him out of there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't have the key, and uh, they promise they're going to get him the out of York there though, key. And, and rescue him and stop the Yerks. So, Cassie, back to Cassie and Rachel, they're having their scuffle with the reindeer, a little showdown. Um, they they manage to you know get the best of it though and acquire their their alien reindeer. Um, meanwhile, Axe up top in penguin morph goes up and encounters uh, some Russians that have just arrived on the scene and the Russians are like, you know, what the hell's this settlement here? This isn't a Russian settlement. It's, they can't find a flag around. They don't know whose it is. So they're just coming to investigate. Right. They're Russians. Don't see a flag. They just assume it's up for grabs. You know? <laughs> Basically they, uh, so they're coming in and they're, they're just humans. They're not like yurks or anything. And ax is like, Oh boy. You know, I don't know what to do here. He's trying to formulate some kind of plan, but before he can, uh, the hork and the sub show up and just outright kill the Russians. Okay, so they're taken out of the equation. Um, and Axe manages to hide and, and watch uh, the sub make his call to Visor 3. Um, so the sub calls Visor 3, he gets a little cameo in this book, and tells him that he hasn't found anything, right? So you get the standard, like, yerk-on-yerk treachery going on because he's like oh i can't tell visitor three what we found or he's gonna take credit for it so i mean really if you think about it if we've learned anything from animorphs is that all the york leadership are just super passive aggressive to each other yeah i assume this interaction is no different definitely so you know visitor three is like you've you haven't found anything yet your mission's been going on way too long come home and you're gonna be like fired and killed or whatever (laughs) and (laughs) and and sub visitor nine's like Obviously, I'm going to bring both of these excellent host bodies that I've found back with me, and then we're going to upstage Visor 3, and, you know, I'll be the, I'll be Visor 1 from here on out, right? Um, so, uh, Jake and the rest of the team kind of all regroup back uh, down below together and cook up a plan. Using Eric's holograms, they managed to hide out waiting for the visitor to return, sub-visitor to return. And when he does, they spring this surprise attack on him and a big battle ensues, right? 
and the sub fizzer manages to use the cane to control the elves and make them do attack. Um, and this is where, you know, the big climax of the book, big bloody battle where the whole team's in battle morph. Uh, Eric is, you know, standing by. He's not really helping, but he's able to provide. He's, watching. he's, watching. he's able to provide a holographic shelter for them to, like, retreat into, demorph, and then remorph. So that's, like, super useful, actually. I, I almost thought you were going to say, like, Eric forms a hologram of, like, the Animorphs cheerleaders just on the sidelines, like, yeah, you can get them. Yeah, good, good swipe. You got them. You got them on the ropes. <laughs> sure. So while they're having this big bloody battle, uh, things are really chaotic, and um, they, they're they going for the staff or the cane to try and get that away from the subvisor. And in the, in the ensuing fight, they break it. They accidentally break the cane. And this causes all the elves to just go bonkers, like... They they they're out of control now, and um, uh, this is when Santa starts to warn that the ultimate evil is awakening. They've they've gone too far. They're too close, and now the team's got to try and escape. So uh, they're they're all like in full on retreat mode, and uh, they're they're still trying to rescue Santa. Subvisor 9's been dealt with, like, him and his Horkbajir guard are not a problem anymore, they've been defeated, and, uh, the Santa's basically like, look, don't worry about rescuing me, just get out of here and try to figure out a way to, you know, seal us down here, right? I feel like the way you're telling his dialogue, it's like, this is this massive, like, red lobster, uh, like, alien horrifying creature, and just like, hey guys... You know, just go on without me. Like he's water, or you, you go on without. You know, I need, I need some, uh, I need some voice acting. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, you know, in these stories, all the aliens they encounter are able to thought speak at them in English. So that's true. You're, you're hundred percent right. <laughs> even, even the crab monsters that they found in the prehistoric era were able to communicate with them. So hey, those crab monsters were fossil accurate as far as I'm <laughs> believing. They're all trilobites. Um, and anyway, this is the point in the story where uh, the cave starts to tremble. They can hear, like, you know, this, like, very just ominous, evil-sounding moaning, groaning coming from the, the excavation pit. And, you know, maybe even one of them looks down there and they see something that they don't even describe. It's just so terrifying whatever it is they see they're like we gotta go we gotta go now you know and they're booking it out of there and this is when the cave starts to rumble and as they're making their way towards the exit this huge vehicle comes barreling down the the stairs through the hatch and it's axe and he's driving the russians you know big arctic excavator vehicle and he drives it right down into the cave and Everyone's like, yay, yay for Axe, he showed up. Axe gets out, and he's like, hey guys, what'd I miss? Um, they're like, we gotta escape, we gotta, we gotta figure out a way to stop, you know, anything from getting out of here, basically. And so Axe is like, oh, well, lucky for you, uh, these Russians that I found um, just happen to have a bunch of excavation tools and, like, uh, weaponry and explosives on them. Because they're Russians, they do that. <laughs> and... He's like, they had a, a, a good amount of TNT on, on board their thing, and I've set up a crude uh, self-detonation device that's going to go off, right? And they're like, oh, perfect. So 
Everybody manages to flee and get out of the cave as the explosives go off. Massive cave in. They bury the the Santa, the elves, the reindeer, the the Krampus monster, all buried under tons of ice. Um, and that that's the end of that conflict, right? So everybody gets out. Um, Eric says kind of a final goodbye to his his chi brethren, and then they leave. And then we get our wrapped up wrap up chapter. Okay, so everyone's back at Cassie's uh, barn, um, having missed Christmas break. They're all really disappointed. Um, all, the chi got to go and have all their fun, and then we get you know them saying things like uh, Rachel's like, oh yeah, and my chi that uh, visited my father in Australia, you know, apparently like. They went surfing, and now I'm, like, some <laughs> almost world-class, like, expert surfboarder, apparently, right? Because of the cheese, like, super ability. Um, yeah, And then Cassie's like, oh, yeah, you think you got a bad, like, the chi that was me uh, went to the volunteer and then started, like, uh, not only fed every single homeless person, um, he also started... Uh, doing medical diagnostics for everyone and like, you know, really going the extra mile to help these people. And so Cassie's parents think she's some kind of like pre-med genius now. A prodigy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, whereas Marco is like, okay, so you guys think that's messed up. The she that went to visit my family apparently was like some Jewish, you know, computer basically encyclopedia and now my extended family believes I'm like, <laughs> like, uh, uh, some big, you know, practicing Jew, right? They're like, he even set me up for a, uh, uh, what is the rite of passage that they got? I'm such an idiot for forgetting like this. A, like but. a bar mitzvah? Yeah, yeah. Bar mitzvah. He's like, oh, they've even started planning my bar mitzvah. Oh, this is horrible. <laughs> and, uh. So it's kind of a funny wrap-up chapter like that. I, I want that book. And then... Marco's Bar Mitzvah. <laughs> right. And the ending of the book, okay, is that everybody kind of exchanged presents with each other. And then lastly, Tobias swoops in, perches up above, and uh, Marco... No, or no, not Marco, but uh, Tobias calls to Jake. He's like, hey, Jake, check me out. And Tobias has got a piece of mistletoe in his mouth and he's perched right above Cassie and he's like hey Jake look what I got and then you know it just kind of ends with Jake standing up and approaching Cassie and you know what's going to happen so boom that's my book that is the Animorphs uh, Encounter Santa (laughs) you know I was wondering I was wondering as we went along uh, whether it would hit this or not but I feel like overall that does feel like something they would do in a Megamorphs like something that references something from Earth's history, and you find out that it was aliens the whole time. Yeah, the Yurks were involved. Like I, that, that does feel like an animorph or like a megamorph book. And that is that is uh, something that I'd also like to point out through dialogue. Uh, either the Santa creature himself tells the team, or maybe Eric pulls the information that. You know, I was around when the myths of Santa Claus and his elves and Krampus, all that started. And I was around when it got, you know, attributed to St. Nick and all of that. But I didn't know that this is where, you know, those rumors came from. Um, Something like that. So, uh, yeah, you know, that's that's my standard uh, Christmas 
Animorphs adventure that I think uh, would really fit in with the canon of the series. And uh, it's not too far out of line with stuff that they've actually done. Just taken, you know, historic things and and basically came up with aliens did it. Right. No, I think that's I think that's perfectly on par. Um we came, we came at this at two very different angles. Yes, and that's what I love, is that yours is totally like, uh, a, a, I don't want to call it, you know, by the numbers, Animorphs, no, 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 no. I, typical I, I mission. I specifically tried to sound like something you could, like, if you were young and you were looking through the library Animorphs books or whichever ones they had, like, this might just be one that comes out of the normal series. Yeah, absolutely. Uh so, yeah, you know, I, I liked how yours was very grounded in, in reality as far as these things go. And then uh, I just took mine to the furthest, craziest extreme that you would imagine from a Christmas special. Which Animorphs has done in the past? They've done the, you know things just as crazy as that. Atlantis, come on. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> they take, you know, pre-existing concepts and, and give them a little alien animorph spin i was really tempted to include you know krayak or the elemist um excluded that uh i almost considered having them you know actually have krampus awaken and then having a big final showdown with that but i i honestly like it a lot better if they just avert the big disaster from happening well you can you can leave that for the sequel too oh absolutely <laughs> Yeah, fans are gonna be pissed that we didn't like solve any of the major like plot holes in Animorphs with our books. Um, yeah, but, who yeah. needs that? <laughs> Krampus is the uh, is actually the uh, big bad from the end of the series. So. <laughs> it could be. Well, <laughs> uh, um, yeah, that's great. Did you see Liz's review? Uh, five out of five. Pain deer head spines. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, I'm glad that uh, hopefully you enjoyed our stories. Uh, this was really fun for us to do. I think. Yeah, I feel like we could do this in the future again. Uh, whatever book series we're on in the future, like an Ender's Game Christmas would be pretty funny. Oh, Lord. I feel like. <laughs> uh, you know, or, uh, you know, I don't know if Goosebumps ever did any christmas books oh i guarantee I like they've they got had christmas to. themed ones yeah yeah they had to or something i don't know but we could definitely keep this going the fright um, before christmas yeah personally i just like the idea of us doing a live stream uh and cu- pulling an episode out of it that didn't have to necessarily come from a book um so you know let us know if you like this first off let us know which story, what, like which book you want. <laughs> so go on our go on our Twitter, go on our Facebook, or go on uh, start a Reddit thread, and let us know which book you would actually like to be printed and turned into a real Animorphs book. Mine or uh, Coleman's? Which one's better? Let's turn it. Into yeah, <laughs> we, we need to rate that so one of us feels bad. Uh, or, or, or what's your rating? Uh, uh, blank out of five, and then. You know, fill in. Uh, yeah, give, give us your, your rating ratings. for our, our stories. We'd like to hear them. I think that'd be a that'd lot be of fun. Course. And we're, <laughs> we're going to post this as a normal episode, uh, a normal podcast episode. Right after we're done streaming, it'll turn into a YouTube um, uh, video that you can watch in the future or whatever, however you consume your uh, thought speak. Yeah, so if you um, didn't, if you didn't uh, join us during this live stream from the very beginning, you can go back and see what you missed. Sure. And so um, I want to thank everybody for coming out, hanging out with us for, uh, you know, like an hour and a half, uh, a little longer than that. Um, if you like us doing more things like this, if you like these episodes that don't even have to necessarily be tied to a book, but are still within that thought speak realm, uh, let us know. 
um subscribe to our youtube channel that's you know it's the joke that like and subscribe that every youtube video does but uh, honestly you'll get notified every time we do a live stream like this most of which will be a normal episode of thought speak um so you know and of course if you're a patreon subscriber as well we tend to notify the patreon subscribers when we're going to do a um live broadcast as well and then you can join the chat hang out with us so we've had some great chat i want to go through the chat real quick uh because they threw out some ideas for their animorphs books uh so you, you give me a second i'll do that sure so got- <laughs> they mostly come from tony abbott <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so tony abbott jumped to the chat and uh, he wanted the Animorphs to also morph penguins to save Santa from Visitor 3's plot to turn every stocking in the world into a yerk pool. A mini yerk pool. So every pool. stocking in the world to turn into a mini yerk pool, yeah. Uh, Asario Rip blasts the gang to be to the first Hanukkah, <laughs> where they must assist the first Chi in finding the Pimelite Stone, which will enable the candle oil to burn eight times longer than normal. That's out there, man. <laughs> the Christmas Chronicles. Visitor 3 wants to give the Council of 13 a new charging dock for the Kendrona, but Visitor 1 buys the last one on Black Friday. <laughs> Visitor 3 must steal it before to save Christmas and his career. <laughs> These are some pretty far out there ideas. They're all golden ideas. I like this one. Axe's scoop is the location for Christmas dinner, but the High Command discovers his meal plan and forbids him to cook the traditional Andalite Christmas dish, citing Ciro's kindness. <laughs> Axe must once again choose between his friends and his people. <laughs> oh, it's, it's glorious. Absolutely glorious. Uh, so yeah, this is, this is an amazing. I had a lot of fun doing this and coming up with the ideas and everything. Um, so again, if you like this sort of thing, Subscribe to us, subscribe to the YouTube channel, become a patron on Patreon, uh, you know, like us on Facebook, uh, hit me up on Twitter. We've got all these different ways that you can contact us and be a part. If you want to send an email to thoughtspeakcast at gmail.com, we respond to those and read them on the air sometimes. Um, but again, just, uh, you know, any interaction with us, we appreciate any ratings or reviews you give us on however you listen to the podcast. Um, go a long way to helping us out and spreading the word of the podcast. So. That's our plugs. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this Christmas and that you have a good Christmas yourself uh, or holiday season, however that you celebrate. Uh, or if you just have some time off work, you know, have a good time, get some rest. Uh, we, we appreciate you coming out and spending some time with us. Totally. And, uh, yeah, love to do it again. Um, so please support us on Patreon and we'll make that happen. Uh, but like Coleman said, uh, happy holidays. And we'll hopefully see you next time. <laughs> Thought Speak 2019 is going to be a big year, guys. Oh, big absolutely. Year. That's one last thing I wanted to touch on is that you've probably noticed we're, we're gearing up the website uh, for this big relaunch. It's it's Thought Speak, a book nostalgia podcast. So um, 2019, we are wrapping up the Animorph series and moving into new territory. And boy, do we hope y'all stay with us for that. Um, I'm really excited to talk about so many other book series that mean a lot to us. And, you know, if you liked our our discussions and our tangents on aliens just wait till we get vampires oh yeah that's that's where we're really gonna shine i think oh yeah i'm looking forward to that all right well everybody again have a good holiday season and uh we'll see you in the new year peace